0: You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of Bigger Than Beer. I am your host, Levi Wyatt. We're so excited to have you all on for another episode uh, where we're talking about things beyond the hop industry, beyond the beer industry, something that we can find uh, common ground between. So today... In particular, we're going to be talking about watershed management, uh, and the importance of that for us in the agricultural community, but also as that trickles down downstream, uh, if I could throw a pun in there down to the brewers in the world as well, um, on this episode today, we've got Chris Chappell with Washington Wild and Ray Kwan with Lucky Envelope Brewing out of Seattle, Washington. Welcome aboard you two. Um, I want to start with some introductions. You know, we just said your names, but, uh, maybe learning a little bit more about who we're chatting with here today. So I'm going to start with you, Chris. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Washington Wild?
1: Yeah, thanks, Levi. i um, really stoked to be on here. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm Chris Chappell. I'm the conservation and brewshed program manager at Washington Wild. Um, uh, my job is split into two, uh, parts one leading the Washington Brewshed Alliance and then um, also working on the uh, conservation advocacy uh, programs and projects that we that we have at Washington Wild.
0: Awesome. He's an AZ native, right? <laughs> yes. Converted to a Pacific yep. Northwestern man. Yes. No, thank you for uh, the introduction, Chris. And then next we've got Ray, Ray Kwan from uh, Lucky Envelope. We'll do the same over to you, Ray. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Lucky Envelope.
2: Yep, uh, I am one of the co-founders of Lucky Envelope Brewing. Um, most of my work uh, is focused on kind of back office functions, so the finance, accounting, uh, managing, and overseeing our tasting room and our wholesale distribution. So the really fun, sexy things, unlike the brewers so you just get to brew all day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's very important, so don't downsell down it. Again, thank you both for taking time out of your day to to join us on this podcast. Um, you know, water is extremely important, not only for us in, uh, in our day-to-day lives, but both in your industries and in your backgrounds. Right. So today, hopefully we're kind of going to untap some of the, 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 importances between, between, um, conservation, um, agriculturally, and then also down to the hop or excuse me, the beer world too. Um, But, you know, first, you know, let's roll the sleeves up a little bit and let's learn a little bit about uh, Washington Wild. Who is this organization, Chris, and um, what's the purpose of this organization?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Washington Wild is a uh, conservation organization based uh, here in Washington State. We're a statewide group. We've been around for over 40 years. I think it's 42 or 43 at this point. Uh, But we were, you know, we're an advocacy group. So advocating for protecting wildlands and waterways around the state. Um, You know, putting, you know, traditionally we've worked putting together uh, big uh, legislative packages to get passed in Congress, um, designating new wilderness areas and designating new wild and scenic rivers. Um, And one thing that we really specialize is a coalition building and bringing different stakeholders to the table um, to build support for these legislative packages or, you know, whatever kind of conservation program or project we're working on. Um, You know, we've done things like... um, earlier this year uh we actually successfully blocked a mine from being built in the headwaters of the skagit river um which is in um, british columbia um but would have affected downstream users from brewers to communities to um grain growers um yeah
0: well that's awesome um you know advocacy in itself is just extremely important for people to become aware of of these these issues and these topics and and one thing that i would say that washington wild does very well uh it's very unbiased very factual and provide you an opportunity to kind of lean into like these initiatives and these causes so i uh commend you for all the work that you've done and your team chris um and and ych has been a supporter of washington wild for shoot, going on three, almost four years now, I joined in 2019. And um, I think that's when we first started uh, uh, that, that partnership. And it's grown from there. Um, I know, in addition to, to Washington Wild, there's a plethora of like kind of subsidiary organizations or alliances that fall underneath that, that umbrella, right? Um, one of which is the the Brewshed Alliance. Um, and as we're kind of talking about connecting agriculture and beer here in this kind of conversation. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that Brewshed Alliance is?
1: Yeah, so um, about 10 years ago, one of my predecessors um, came up with the idea of connecting with um, breweries around Washington, kind of in the idea that, you know, Washington Wild is protecting uh, wildlands and waterways, and no one knows the importance of clean water as much as a brewer. And I like to say that, one of the reasons we have incredibly delicious beer here in the Pacific Northwest is we have awesome clean, um, uh, mountain water. Um, and so, you know, this idea is to basically, um, bring together breweries, hop growers, uh, maltsters, pubs, uh, basically any beer industry business to help advocate for these protections. So downstream users protecting upstream values. Um, and so we have about um, somewhere in the eighties um, number of breweries and brewshed partners that you know support our work in a variety of ways. So everything from fundraisers to tap takeovers, um, we've done a number of collaboration beers over the years. Usually, a lot of times having some sort of specific conservation tie. And then um, one thing the Washington Wild does, and that uh, you know many of our brewshed partners support us in, is we do advocacy later uh, advocacy letter. Letters to, to uh, decision makers, lawmakers, you know, congressmen and women, senators, governors, you know, people that work at government agencies, you know, advocating for protecting wildlands and waterways in some way. You know, whether it's to oppose a mine, to um, improve access to trailheads. Um, but, you know, our brochure partners sign on to those comment letters. And the, kind of the idea is that the more people that sign on to them, you know, the bigger the voice, strengthen numbers, um yeah and we have had a lot of really great success in the last couple of years a lot of brochure partners are really passionate about protecting you know our wild places and are eager to sign on to these to these comment letters
0: yeah i mean i appreciate that like receiving those in the uh in my emails or just like publications that you guys produce um as an olive branch or an opportunity for us to kind of further our mission it gives us an opportunity to like uh, leapfrog into that space so um, you know, speaking of, of of the BrewShed Alliance, we have somebody on um, um, who's been an active member for a long time now. Um, Ray, could you tell us a little bit about just like Lucky Envelope and maybe some of the history of the organization? Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, Lucky Envelope Brewing uh, is located in the Ballard neighborhood of Seattle, and we opened our doors to the public in May of 2015. Uh, My business partner Barry and I, uh, Barry brews all our beer. Um, We made the big decision to leave our corporate America jobs um, and uh, have kind of, you know, embraced the small business owner uh, lifestyle uh, since then and haven't looked back. Uh, While we're probably working more hours and we're stressed out a lot more often as small business owners. Uh, we definitely uh, go home every day feeling a lot better about everything in our lives than we did uh, when we were working our kind of nine to five corporate America jobs. So definitely a, a great um, a decision for both of us. And we really love the camaraderie and the um, collaborative nature of being in the craft beer industry.
0: Awesome. Um, so were you brewing beer at your corporate job or was this a hobby uh, on the side that, that made you uh, pivot into this role?
2: Yeah, so Barry uh, had been homebrewing since he moved here to Seattle in I think two thousand eight, <clears throat> and uh, I moved here in twenty ten, and it wasn't until about end of twenty thirteen that the two of us connected, started talking about this crazy notion of us opening up a uh, what originally started as a sports bar slash brew pub, and then it quickly scaled down to just a brewery with a tasting room. Um, and you know, Barry had spent uh, a good portion of his uh, years, first few years here in Seattle actually learning how to brew uh, because he found himself kind of critiquing beers uh, here in the Pacific Northwest, but then realizing that uh, he didn't quite understand how beer was made and how the flavors uh, were were you know came from. Mm-hmm. And so he took it upon himself to kind of teach himself how to brew beer so that he could be a little more knowledgeable. About uh, talking about beers, so that's kind of where he got his passion from. You know, for me, getting involved in the in, in Lucky Envelope, it was more about being an entrepreneur and being, uh, you know, my own boss. Uh, and so, you know, when the two of us got to talking in, you know, 2013, it, it kind of made a lot of sense at the time for us to, you know, work together and, and get this thing off the ground.
0: Well, hey, congratulations on uh, going on seven plus years uh, in the industry, right? So, um, you know it can be scary going in, pivoting into a new, uh, uh, a new industry for sure. But so transitioning out of the corporate America, you know, you've started a, a new, um, a business. You've probably carried through some of those philosophies that I, if we look on your website, there's, uh, it kind of tells a little bit about lucky envelope and could you kind of explain a little bit of those, um, philosophies that you guys hold
2: as, 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 um, near and dear to your hearts? Yeah, of course, of course. So our name, lucky envelope, uh, So, Barry and I are both Chinese-American, and the name Lucky Envelope actually comes from uh, the Chinese tradition of the elder generation giving the younger generation red envelopes filled with money, uh, usually at special events, life events such as weddings, having a child, graduating college, opening a brewery. And so, those major life milestones and celebratory moments is normally when you would see the envelopes. And... um, you know, when we were coming up with a name for the brewery, uh, Lucky Envelope was the one that kept coming up in the conversations after a couple of weeks, and we realized that uh, the kind of tradition and the memories that the two of us had as, as children growing up in, you know, Chinese households was all these wonderful memories, and so uh, we moved forward with naming the brewery after that that Chinese tradition, uh, taking things a little bit further with our kind of you know culture and philosophy at the brewery, uh, from the onset, uh, our brewing philosophy or Barry's brewing philosophy has been uh, influenced by the tagline culturally inspired beer. Uh, we absolutely love the traditional styles and ingredients that go into beer, but we also love incorporating the non-traditional ingredients into some of our offerings. Uh, many times we actually pull some ideas and influences from like travel, uh, where we eat, where we go out for cocktails and drinks, um, particularly when we 're traveling internationally uh, so you know barry 's in Japan right now, and i 'm hoping he comes back with a handful of creative and new ideas that <clears throat> we can um, experiment with uh, here at lucky envelope
0: that 's awesome. I love that story. Um, I did not know that, and so for me that was that was really educational that was really cool, man. Thank you for sharing that um, i know I know you 've been a an active participant in, in, in Washington Wild for quite some time, um, you know, w- what got you so inspired or uh, you and Barry both to, to pursue this as a, something that you felt um, you wanted to get involved in?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, prior to opening the brewery, um, you know, when I had a more predictable job and predictable income, uh, I spent a lot of time traveling and, and you know, spending more time outdoors than I do today. And one of my hobbies is actually photography. Uh, so I would actually spend a great deal of time outdoors taking nature photography. Awesome. And so uh, you know, over the course of you know ten, fifteen years, I was traveling across the country, visiting our beautiful state and national parks. And um, you know, honestly, getting involved in conservation and, and being more interested in, it for me, uh, stemmed from one of my trips back in 2013. Uh, I was on a road trip across the country and uh, was at Glacier National Park. And I just remember this park ranger telling us at the visitor center, like, "Hey, you know, all these glaciers you see up in the—if you head up to higher elevations, all these glaciers are predictably gone by this decade." So when I say this decade, like twenty twenty something, and it just blew my mind that you know I'm there in twenty thirteen, and ten years from then, um, you know, very likely, you know, with all the issues with climate change and everything in between—it's like, oh, these glaciers could be gone. And so I thought about like what I was experiencing at the time, and then thought about what the younger generation uh, wouldn't be able to experience, and that just really resonated with me. I'm like, hey, you know, you know, I'm in a position now to maybe do something about this, or be more vocal about it, or support it in one way or another. So fast forward to us, uh, you know, being a couple months from opening the brewery and the. Then Bruschetta Alliance manager had approached Barry and me, um, asking us if we would join the Brewshed Alliance when we, you know, had our doors open and we got our footing. And uh, naturally, both of us just said yes. You know, it, it made a lot of sense for us to uh, get involved in that. You know, for me, the journey with Washington Wild started with the brewery uh, joining the Brewshed Alliance, I guess, end of 2015 or so, and then shortly thereafter, um, I was asked to take some photos of two of the primary events of the year, one being the uh, Brewshed Beer Fest, which was back then uh, the annual Brewshed Alliance Beer Festival that we held at Hales Palladium here in Seattle. And then the second event was the uh, annual fundraising night, Wild Night Out. Um, I was asked to take photos of that as well. So I was a volunteer photographer for, I think, two and a half years before um, a staff member had actually reached out to me directly, asking if I would formally join the board of directors. And uh, I think that was late 2018 is when I was voted onto the board, and I currently now serve as the uh, vice president of the board and the co-chair of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee at Washington Wild.
0: That's incredible. Um, I think both both people on this call have a passion for photography, if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, so that that is amazing, um, and to see where you know it's come from the early beginnings when you started, Ray. I know Chris, you said this organization has been around for 40 plus years it's amazing and trying to wrap my head around that you know um back in you know was that the 80s am i doing my math correctly (laughs) but yeah it's been around for quite some time you know and i'm sure you've experienced a lot of things along the way uh maybe not you personally chris but like tom and 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 the others that have been there for 10 years right um could you talk about maybe some of the milestones or pivotal moments um, in time that have been pretty inspiring uh, for, for Washington wild?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, kind of by the nature of our work, things are really slow moving. Um, I don't know if you've you've noticed, but getting bills passed in Congress is, is quite difficult these days. You know, we've been working, you know, we were a founding member of the wild Olympics campaign, which is a campaign to protect the 26, 126,000 acres um, a forest on the Olympic Peninsula as designated wilderness, and then designating 19 wild and scenic rivers. Um, that bill has been in Congress for many years at this point. You know, it's just it's just difficult to get get that kind of uh, federal legislative work done. Um, but you know, huge milestone that I kind of referenced before um, was is getting the mine blocked in the headwaters of the Skagit River. That was a campaign that uh washington wild led on and kind of coordinated the coalition to do that and when we got the news in january that the mine had been blocked was huge accomplishment for washington wild um you know and and personally just very very rewarding um and i'll kind of give a little bonus bonus story about uh you know connecting the bruised alliance so you know this campaign was going on for many years they um before i started they managed to get logging blocked in the headwaters but the mine there was a pending mining permit that's kind of was lingering around for a long time. Um, But, you know, uh, it took a lot of stakeholders, you know, municipalities, local elected officials, businesses, recreation groups, conservation groups, you name it, um, that were actively opposing this mine. Um, But my favorite part of that campaign was we um, worked with um, a Seattle brewery called Fair Isle that specializes in um, saisons and does really beautiful, say, terroir-driven beers and, you know, using local ingredients and, and things you find in wild places. And we put together a beer that kind of told a story of what was under threat if, you know, there was a mine put in and the tailings pond leaked. And, you know, the mine uh, or the mining company in the past actually did have a, um, a tailings pond leak in another um, river in BC. And so we are really worried about that. But um, So this beer we designed to do Um, to showcase different parts of the Skagit River and um, the uh, agriculture and the natural lands that depend on it. So we put together beer that was um, Salmon Safe Hops donated generously by YCH, um, Salmon Safe Malt, um, half of which was grown in the Skagit Valley and half of which was grown in the Fraser Valley where the the headwaters are located, and then Bow Hill blueberries grown in the Skagit Valley. And then we actually went out and foraged um, conifer tips, um, from a property of a supporter that uh, was in Mount Vernon and overlooked the Skagit River. Um, so we put together this beer called a Diane, which is the name of the woman that let us forage on her land, um, and told the story about, you know, if if the the river was polluted, then all of these things, the agriculture, the natural lands, the communities um, would be under threat. Um, so that was a really fun, fun project, and I was really uh, happy with how it turned out. And huge shout out to uh fair isle skagit valley malting uh bow hill and ych for helping put that together
0: yeah and maybe diane too if you're listening shout out to diane <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> huge shout out to diane
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh no those are the kind of stories that like really kind of embody and like i mean why ych is so happy to be involved in this kind of stuff. Cause really, you know, like you mentioned, you know, as a party of one, we can only do so much, but if you get connected with a larger network and then, um, that, that, that impact can, can amplify. Right. And for, for you as a, a brewery, you have the opportunity to interface with your customers. Chris, you have the ability to interface with, with people at the legislative level, but also just community centric individuals. So, that was a beautiful story. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I've actually tried that beer and it was really delicious. So um, I can attest to that. Um, So you kind of, you talked a little bit about how people can get, can get involved. Um, You know, what are some other ways that you think, uh, you know, uh, people, both people and uh, breweries can get involved with Washington Wild, um, maybe on like a personal or, or, or corporate level?
1: Um yeah on a personal level the best way would be to to subscribe to our newsletter um, on our website uh wowwow.org wild, um we put out a number of action alerts throughout the year where individuals you know i was talking about these comment letters that's more grass tops focused you know businesses elected officials um, different you know interest groups but at the grassroots level pe- in, we do these action alerts where people can send notes to lawmakers legislators decision makers um, advocating for protection of wildlands and waterways um, and we make it really really easy where we already pre-write the letter people just have to um, plug in their name um, their email address and their phone number, and it'll auto-populate, you know, if it's going to, like, their uh, someone's congressperson, and it'll, you put in your zip code and it'll auto-populate your, you know, the email address and everything. So we make it as easy as possible, and it's, um, you know, goes a long way. If, you know, the strength of numbers, if we're all, all setting notes to say, Governor Inslee on an issue, he's going to want to pay attention to it.
0: No, and that's very appreciative on my end because, like, yeah, the ability to plug into those individuals, it takes some time and takes some effort. So the way that you guys have created an, an opportunity for us to just plug in and, you know, obviously read about the initiative or what is at stake, um, there's a lot of things that stand to gain protection, and, I we really value, I can't emphasize enough, the work that y'all are doing. Um, Ray could probably attest to that too as he's a, you know, Enjoys the Pacific Northwest. Probably takes a lot of great photos in the last couple of years that he's been up here in the, the PNW. Um, but maybe Ray, from your perspective, I know you kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, you know Glacier Nas- National Park is a beautiful setting, right? Um, located there, and uh, and and seeing those huge mountains, but those receding glaciers are—it's—it's yeah, it's pretty daunting. I had the opportunity of uh, visiting there with my wife handful of years ago, and I got that same same feeling walking away from that being like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? What can I do? Um, so I know that was like an inspiration for you to get involved. Um, are others in your brewery? Um, how do you kind of share that within the, your, your tribe or culture there at Lucky Envelope of, you know, conservation is important for us.
2: Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, we partner with uh, Washington Wild quite regularly. Uh, we used to host, um, Kind of comment letter boxes at the brewery where customers could come in and fill out postcards um, that would be uh, sent out by Washington Wild staff on certain uh, um, uh, legislative actions that we were pushing for. And so, you know, there was uh, definitely a kind of proactive effort from Washington Wild to make sure that those types of resources were available for our customers. Um, You know. You know, we had some tapped takeovers and fundraising events with Washington Wild over the years. But as it pertains to getting our staff involved, um, you know, they, you know, we receive copies of the newsletter at the brewery. We share that with our staff. They're well aware of kind of things that I'm involved with from a board perspective in Washington Wild. And so they're always invited out to the kind of non lucky envelope hosted events around town that support Washington Wild and what they're working on. Uh, But, you know, just being in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the majority of my staff does enjoy the great outdoors. And so they do recognize the importance of the work of uh, the conservation efforts of, you know, Washington Wild as well as as many other organizations. And it kind of resonates. It's it's, honestly, it's a pretty light lift from my perspective to get my staff on board with supporting, uh, you know, making sure that we protect our wild lands and waters. Um, I'm sure in other areas of the state and perhaps other uh, states, you know, it might be a more difficult and tasking conversation. But uh, being here in Seattle and uh, with me being as involved as I have been, I do think that uh, the, the staff and our customers both kind of understand the importance of it, both to, to me personally, but as well as, you know, to the brewery, to Lucky Envelope. That's awesome.
0: Um and I agree. I think just living in this state and this region alone we have so much appreciation and it's easy to take it for granted, right? So uh getting plugged into organizations like Washington Wild and others or, you know, uh, uh we can continue that uh to to make sure that it's there for the next generation or or whatever uh cliche you want to say, but I always say uh we're a generation-based company. Uh we've been around for multiple generations, so we want to make sure that this place is uh um as good as we left it so they can enjoy it as well. Um, you know, Chris, you kind of talked about some of the things that you've done in the past. What are some of those things on the horizon, uh, that Washington wild is working on and, you know, maybe touch base on what's the, the biggest need or, you know, top of mind project that you're kind of working on currently. And, um, how could you welcome some support there?
1: Yeah, let's see. Yeah, Washington, well, we always kind of have a few stakes in the fire. You know, um, I referenced the Wild Olympics campaign. We're still working on that, hoping to get that passed as soon as possible. Um, You know, the the Skagit headwaters issue. So we protected the Skagit headwaters from a mining threat. um, But um, we want the uh, B.C. government to permanently protect the area um, in whatever form that takes, whether it be a provincial park or something else. Yeah, and then um, another effort that we're working on is we are a part of the Green River Valley Alliance, which is a coalition um, founded by our colleagues at Cascade Forest Conservancy that is advocate, is pushing for protection of the Green River Valley, which is near Mount St. Helens, against a mining threat. Um, it's a pretty silly thing that there's a potential mine being built next to an active volcano. And so this Alliance is working towards uh, making sure that doesn't happen because nothing good can come from, uh, from mining near, uh, you know, Mount St. Helens. I love the hashtag of that coalition is no place for mine. And I think that that just sums it up (laughs) in a way that nothing else can. You should not put a mine next to an active volcano. Um, So we're, we're, we're building currently building support for that. And um, you know, engage with local businesses um, and different uh, interest groups to uh, build opposition to mining in that area.
0: Awesome. Um, Ray, I know you touched on it previously, you know, some of the things that you guys have done both in and outside of the, uh, the tap room. Um, could you kind of speak to some of those in, in more detail, just maybe giving breweries opportunities to figure out how they could also incorporate some of those action items that you guys have done. Um, we like to think of this podcast as like an educational based um, podcast. So maybe just lending ideas to those listening in on some of those ideas that you've done internally to kind of um, uplift and amplify Washington wilds um, initiatives um, there in the brew house.
2: Yeah, of course. So, you know, Chris uh, had already mentioned uh, some of the easy ways for, Uh, both individuals and uh, breweries to get involved and obviously one way is to sign up for our newsletter. Um, From a brewery perspective, uh, there are opportunities to sign on to comment letters uh, that uh, Chris and the rest of the staff have been uh, regularly sending out to uh, Washington Wild supporters. Uh, They usually have individuals, small businesses, and everyone in between to uh, support some of those efforts and uh, that is a honestly a very quick and painless way for breweries to show their support for Washington Wild. Um, and at the end of the day, you hope that uh, you are getting the change and getting the results that we want from commenting on those letters. Uh, another easy way is uh, quite regularly, Washington Wild does partner with a brewery or breweries to uh, produce a kind of collaboration beer or fundraising beer. And so Lucky Envelope in the past has... Participated uh, in a handful. Um, I know the most recent one that we participated in was last summer. Uh, It was the Public Lands Pilsner. And uh, it was really great to host uh, a semi-COVID-restricted, in-person, mostly outdoor event um, last summer. But uh, the uh, receipt of the beer was very good and positive. But the uh, exposure... Uh, and the information that we were able to share with uh, people who came to the tasting room for that particular beer release uh, I think was very beneficial for for Washington Wild. Uh, They had a table set up, a couple staff members there to answer questions and talk more about uh, the projects and uh, legislative actions that were kind of currently in our pipeline back then. Um, Prior to that, uh, we had been involved in two other collaboration brews, both uh, acting as fundraisers for Washington Wild. Uh, One was with Peddler Brewing, where we brewed a Spruce Tip IPA, and then the other one was with, I want to say, Bad Jimmy's, Peddler, and perhaps one or two other Ballard-based breweries here in Seattle. And again, it was kind of one of those uh, quarterly uh, fundraising beers that we had done for uh, Washington Wild's benefit. Um, Another way for particularly local breweries to get involved, so I'll say local Western Washington, Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, if we decide to bring back, uh, say, the Brewshed Beer Fest or we decide to host other kind of uh, beer collaboration events, um, there are opportunities for those breweries to participate out here. Would love to get other breweries from other parts of the state here as well, but I know that uh, just the travel time and commitment there is sometimes very challenging for uh, breweries to to partake in that stuff. But uh, the more exposure and the more involvement we get from breweries across the state, the stronger Washington Wild's message and voice will be moving forward, regardless of whether those issues are focused on something at the Canadian border or if it's something that's focused on eastern Washington state or if it's something that's focused solely on Puget Sound. Uh, the more support overall that Washington Wild has, the stronger voice we're going to have, uh, you know, protecting uh, and repairing our our wildlands and waters. Awesome,
0: I appreciate laying out that. I think there's a lot of takeaways. We hope to, to kind of pass on to to those listening, and I think you outlined it perfectly. Thanks, Ray. Um, you know, you talked about some of the events and and some of the things you're doing, like. I guess, taking a step back, right, what are some of the benefits you've received by just participating in, in a program like this? I know you're doing it on two two different levels. You're wearing two hats, right? Yeah. The brewery hat and then also the, the board member hat. But uh, yeah, could you ex- uh, expand on that?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm going to talk to brewery first, I think. Um, okay. <clears throat> so kind of just, you know, why do it, right? What what's What's the... What's the benefit? You know, why should I put in the time and effort? Why should the brewery put in the time and effort? And so, uh, one of the th- stories I like to tell is, uh, you know, when we were building out our brewery back in 2014 and 2015, uh, Barry and I had spent a considerable amount of time actually uh, traveling to other states and meeting with industry people and particularly brewery owners of all sizes. And uh, when we got to kind of the, you know, seeing the finish line of our build out here in Seattle. A uh, few of those brewery owners uh, reminded us to make sure that we thought about uh, particularly water filtration systems, because in their states, uh, water quality was uh, mostly a miss. And, um, you know, water filtration systems obviously important. You want to get rid of things like chlorine and minerals and other contaminants that might actually impact the flavor and the quality of the beer. So we started getting that um, recommendation to make sure we think about that as we're wrapping up all our plumbing work. And uh, Barry was in charge of that research. But I remember he ended up having conversations with like our local water treatment facility guys and Seattle Public Utilities and understanding where our water sources were coming from. And as it turns out, and th- this was new to us back then, um, the city of Seattle actually receives its drinking water. It's supplied by two watersheds. Uh, the Cedar River and the Tolt. And um, not only does it provide a, every household clean drinking water, it also serves as homes for wildlife and salmon. So it's, you know, uh, very important that, uh, you know, we continue to uh, preserve those and protect those watersheds. Uh, but, you know, from a, from a brewery build-out standpoint, um, learning that we didn't need multiple filters because of how fresh and clean our water already was was a big deal. And it made it really easy for us once we got to the meeting with the then Brewshed Alliance manager of joining and supporting Washington Wild's efforts. It was kind of like a no brainer. Like, why wouldn't we? Um, you know, earlier in the podcast, Levi, you had mentioned, you know, downstream. Um, look, supporting a conversation like Washington Wild uh, goes hand in hand with any brewery's desire to like manufacture good tasting, high quality craft beer. Um, If we don't protect those wildlands and waters, um, there are negative downstream impacts from things that could be happening, uh, whether it's mining or uh, pollution or otherwise. And that impacts the hop farms, that impacts our maltsters, uh, and obviously that impacts the uh, water quality that we're using to brew the beer. Um, Right there, that's three of the four core ingredients of beer that are impacted if you know, the water quality or the water sources are as great as they are today. So, um, you know, the benefit as a brewery, uh, and honestly, as as an individual is like, do you want clean drinking water or not? Do you want good tasting craft beer that isn't overly expensive to, uh, manufacture because, um, we have clean watersheds. Like these are all positive things that, um, you know until we really got into the industry and and started producing beer regularly, they weren't really things we we thought about. We almost took it all for granted. and so definitely given me a different perspective on how to think about uh, watersheds in particular uh, after opening a brewery and getting more involved with Washington Wild and understanding just how important um, the work was. Um, so yeah that that's kind of like the the brewery owner uh, perspective of. You know why we should be supporting organizations like Washington Wild.
0: No, that's awesome. Um, you know, you you went down the entire value chain, and that was that was spot on, man. Like I couldn't agree with you more. I think for us on the east side of the state, you know, we're very reliant on uh, snowpack. You know, last year we did a video kind of highlighting the, the importance of snow we receive in the mountains uh, as it percolates down to tributaries and waterways. And it's so important that those things remain, um, one from a recreation perspective, we like to ski. We like to hike, we like to fish. Um, but we want to do that in a social responsible way where we're not impacting that in a negative way. Right? So for us, it was a no brainer for us to sign on to some of these initiatives to keep these places wild and scenic and, um keeping them public for people to enjoy and pass down that legacy of, uh, of appreciation for wild spaces, um, to the next hop grower or, you know, person, uh, growing grain or the next, uh, brewer. Um, so yeah, I think you did a great job summarizing the importance of that. So, if there are other questions that kind of pop up along, uh, uh the way when we, we this, I hope, uh, we can plug you in as our spokesperson, Ray, cause you are wearing <laughs> many hats. Uh, and I appreciate the, the kind words there. Um, you know, looking ahead, you know, if we could look in like kind of a crystal ball or something like that, I always kind of like this kind of question looking forward. Right. Um, this is a question for both of you. Um, what, would be the outlook for the future of maybe the, both the brewing um, and environmental efforts here in Washington State? Um, I know we joked before the podcast even started, uh, we won't get too political, but we talked about the midterm elections kind of being a stressor for Chris. But um, <laughs> looking into that, uh, that that crystal ball, how would you say uh, the future of both brewing and environmental efforts in Washington State uh, are going to be looking? We'll, we'll tail head Chris, we'll, we'll have you go first. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say it it looks, you know, pretty good. I think we have a lot of challenges ahead of us, um, you know, with climate change just getting worse. But I feel really confident in, you know, Washington state's ability to adapt to those negative effects and to look, you know, plan ahead. Um, you know, we we pay very close attention to, you know, what our members of congress and what our senators are doing and i feel you know pretty lucky that we've got you know two senators that have been environmental champions for a very long time you know patty murray is the senate sponsor of the Watt olympics bill um, maria cantwell has been you know a steadfast advocate for for salmon and you know a lot of you know heavy hitters in our congressional delegation that understand that washingtonians really care about our wild places we care about salmon we care about puget sound we care about orcas we care about all these things and so they will fight for those things at the federal level um, you know along with being you know having governor Inslee, who was the climate change candidate for president at one point um, you know very environmentally friendly governor so i think that we've got you know from a political standpoint a really strong team and a lot of really great, you know, conservation, recreation groups, business owners that are all fighting um, to protect our wild places to be thinking about the, you know, what's to come with climate change and to adapting and mitigating. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good about it, but that changes changes day to day sometimes.
2: <laughs> How about you, Ray? Yeah, you know, I think... Um outlook for me is looking pretty positive. I think that one of the hardest things for, for those of us interested in seeing uh, you know, a slowdown in climate change and uh, progress in conservation efforts is that it does take time. Uh, Chris alluded to uh, earlier that a lot of our projects do take a lot of time and uh, being patient and understanding that some of those legislative processes in particular can take years if not maybe more than a decade um but having champions like you know politicians who are so focused on these efforts um both young and and older politicians like that's that's a really positive sign that there is representation out there that is supporting uh the efforts and the desires of you know organizations like washington wild um you know 20 years ago, I think people were still kind of mocking the idea of an electric vehicle or a hybrid vehicle, and now they're pretty commonplace here for for one reason or another. And you know, just seeing that uh, evolution uh, just in the kind of a day to day basis uh, here, at least in America, um, is a really positive thing. But it did take 20 years for us to get from there to here. So uh, you know, overall, uh, within Washington State, again, with all the Ah, uh, political champions. We have spearheading a lot of these efforts for us and being our voice. That's a really positive thing. Uh, outside of our state, I would love to see uh, more uh, bruschet alliances uh, kind of pop up uh, here and there. I believe there's ten or twelve now around the country, and just to see those states, you know, realize how impactful uh, having a formal kind of bruschet alliance is, is is really great. And so. Uh, hoping to see more of that kind of uh, grassroots uh, growth and activism uh, in other states and cities.
0: Oh, I like that. I, you know, I, I'm personally passionate about this Brewshed Alliance. I think it's a just an amazing concept of connecting both the ingredient suppliers and um, the people cr- producing beer, and then also those people that are enjoying it, to tell that story, demonstrate the importance, I think, um, you know, regionally, we've done a great job with the Washington wild. We've got our counterparts down in Oregon. Um, and I, I, would agree, Ray, I think we have a lot of opportunity to kind of expand that out as you know, there's waterways everywhere. Um, and it touches every state. So I like that, uh, outlook and, and optimism that I'm feeling after these calls. It's a kind of a general theme after I get off these podcasts that I feel like, all right, let's, let's go do this, you know? Um, and so it, it working with people like yourselves, um, encourage me and keep me going in, in the role that i'm here at, at yakima chief hops and i'm hopefully there's some uh, inspiration that kind of uh trickles down as as people listen to this podcast moving forward um you know i don't know if it was talked about but like barriers to entry are there any barriers to entry just to like have a brewery jump into uh the brew shed like financially or, or what that what does that look like
1: um yeah i mean we We try to make it as easy as possible for breweries to join the Alliance. You know, it's strength in numbers and any kind of gatekeeping or barriers will just, you know, decrease the amount of breweries that that would join the Alliance. We like to say that it's a choose-your-own-adventure. There's not really much barrier to entry. You know, I like to have a conversation with every brewery interested in joining, kind of explain what Wash the Wild does, what the Brewster Alliance does, the kinds of things that Brewshed Alliance members do without any, you know, exact commitments you know we like you know i always i always say that it's like i'd like you i'd like for you know alliance members to just consider signing on to any letter that we that we circulate asking for for sign on there's never a requirement never want anyone to feel like they're obligated to sign on to something they don't believe in Um, so yeah if any if any washington state breweries are listening and are interested in joining the BrewShare alliance feel free to reach out to me my email is just chris at wowwild.org. Um, And then the second thing I'll say about that is, so we, um, Washington Wild started the first Brewshit Alliance 10 years ago, um, actually this year, which is pretty cool that it's been around 10 years. Um, And we um, licensed the name Brewshit Alliance to other states. So um, if anyone's listening from um, outside of Washington State, um, there actually might already be a Brewshit Alliance. You know, there's Oregon, uh, Idaho, Montana, um, Texas, um, Vermont. Uh, Maine, Uh, I'm probably missing one or two, but, uh, you know, to track down, you know, I'd recommend tracking down whoever's running that if you're interested in joining. But if you're in a state that doesn't have a brew shed, you know, we, I'd be so happy to have a conversation with you about how we run our brew shed. Each one's a little different, you know, each state has different, you know, conservation issues or environmental issues they're dealing with. Um, So every brew shed looks a little different, but yeah. If anyone's interested in joining the watch the Bruce Alliance or starting their own brew shed or happy to connect to, uh, the person running the brew shed in your state. Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. 50 states by 2050. Let's just agree to that right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is, that is so awesome. Um, you know, we've had, we've had a very good conversation here. I know I've, again, feeling very energized, very excited about the future. Um, you know, speaking of future, um, there might be some other upcoming events, maybe, uh, maybe in the end of 2022, I know we're approaching holiday season, but maybe in 2023 care to shed any light on any of those, uh, upcoming events.
1: Um, we just, we just finished our last, uh, scheduled event for this year. Last week, we had a soup battle at Ravenna Brewing Company. We had like, a number of share partners, uh, make soups and had a little competition which was really fun um nothing set in stone yet have a lot of ideas are kind of floating out there you know we just did a um a a beer called save the snake river lager we had 50 breweries um join as collaborators to promote um removal of the four lower snake river dams and mitigation of services lost um uh We're looking at that, maybe doing a model, something like that next year, bringing, you know, Brewshit Alliance, strength in numbers. So why don't we do a, you know, big collaboration with a number of partners? Um, Looking at that, we've got a couple other beer collaboration ideas in the works. Um, But, yeah, stay tuned. I think 2023 is going to be a really fun and impactful year for the Washington Brewshit Alliance.
0: You heard it here. That's awesome. I've been saying <laughs> around the office it's going to be a banner year for uh, sustainability in 2023. So, really stoked to get the the juices flowing on January 1st and really hit this uh, new year with uh, some enthusiasm and some uh, some some real real change here. So, um, you two, I. I if there's any last words for plugs for people to get involved, I know you guys, we could talk about this for forever, but uh, I'll leave it open for maybe some final closing words of um, just in- encouraging others to, to join. I know there's, you know, limited entry uh, like financial <coughs> barriers and, and stuff like that. So it's that, that was really good that we got to talk about that. Um, so those of you listening, we've got contact information that we'll provide um, both after the episode as well. Um, but yeah, I'll just toss it out. Just, to both of you any last last words
2: yeah um i guess uh you know if anybody listening to this podcast is interested in learning more about what it <clears throat> um, entails to be a Brucia alliance member i'm happy to have that conversation with you over a beer Um, And also, if anybody is interested in learning more about volunteering with Washington Wild, we are always looking for more volunteers and even potentially uh, board of director candidates. So happy to uh, discuss those opportunities as well. Awesome.
1: And then I'll just say I'll just give a shout out to the 80 plus Beruchet Alliance members in Washington State, you know, the last few years have been kind of crazy, um, but I feel like we're in the strongest position we've ever been as an alliance. And, you know, it's just really been great to see um, everyone come together as a conservation community and support the projects we're working on and support, you know, advocating for wildlands and waterways in Washington State. Um, you know, looking at the trend of like the amount of brochure partners have signed to our comment letters, it's just exploded over the last probably two and a half years and it's just been really awesome to see so yeah thanks to everyone um all of our alliance members um current and future and then also thanks to you levi and ych for being just incredible supporters of washington wild and the washington brusher alliance we really appreciate everything you do and thanks for having us on this podcast
0: absolutely thank you both um yeah no today was an awesome conversation. Um, I can't thank you both enough. Um, water is extremely important. I think we can all agree on that, whether you're growing hops, whether you're brewing ha- uh, a beer with it, or whether you're consuming it, uh, uh, along your favorite river fishing, you know what I mean? So there's really some important opportunities, uh, or there's a lot of opportunities for people to get involved and I think we've outlined them here, but again, we're an extension, we're a resource So f- stay tuned as we look to, you know, evolve these partnerships i can't wait to get over and try some of your beer in person ray Uh, chris it's been way too long my friend so we'll all have to get together soon but uh, i just want to leave the leave us with uh you know let's go on and go about living our lives uh the best we can and together let's create something bigger than beer thank you all